0: This is Fresh Head, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas and educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. You've probably heard about the elaborate Olympic handover from Rio to Tokyo that included a video animation of Super Mario walking through Shibuya, jumping through a green tube, and then appearing at the closing ceremony in Rio. The Super Mario costume dropped to the floor, and there was, lo and behold, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe standing in a red hat holding a red ball, ready to take the helm of the Tokyo Olympics. It was an unusual moment, to say the least, for the Japanese leader, who is typically reserved and anything but showy. But the scene perfectly captured the contemporary push by the Abe administration to internationalize Japan. His administration started something called Super Global Universities, which aim to allow graduates to, quote, walk into positions of global leadership. But reforms to Japanese education are not new, and in fact we can learn a lot by looking at previous experiences. My guest today, Peter Cave, has a new book that explores changes in Japanese junior high schools in the 1990s and in the early 2000s.
1: I guess the interesting thing was, and in some ways surprising thing for me, Uh, was more what didn't change rather than what did change.
0: Dr. Peter Cave is a senior lecturer in Japanese studies at the University of Manchester. Through an ethnography of two schools over eleven years, he was able to detail how, if at all, educational reforms translated into educational practices. And these insights can help us understand the reforms being proposed today by the Abe administration.
1: Given the size of the Abe administration's majority, in some ways it's quite surprising how limited the, um, the reforms they proposed have been.
0: Peter Cave's new book is Schooling Selves, Autonomy, Interdependence, and Reform in Japanese Junior High Education, which was published this year by the University of Chicago Press. Peter Cave, welcome to Fresh Ed. It's good to be here, thank you. Why is Japanese junior high school a valuable place to look at when trying to understand the changes in Japanese education?
1: Well, first of all, junior high school is a pivotal stage of education in Japan. Uh, the Japanese school system has six years of elementary school, three years of junior high school, three years of high school. Um, elementary and junior high are compulsory, um, and over 90% of children go to their local public junior high school without any entrance exam. So the first major exam and the sorting point for most Japanese children is the high school entrance exam at age 15, at the end of junior high school. So that's one reason why it's an important uh, stage of education to look at. Um, It's also, for the purposes of this particular set of reforms that I look at in my book, it's valuable to study because the changes that took place in the 1990s and 2000s were more of a challenge to junior high schools than to other stages of education. Um, They did affect elementary schools as well, but they were more in tune with the uh, existing styles of education at at elementary school, Uh, whereas... um, Project style and student-centered learning was a much newer thing at junior high schools. And so it was, if you like, a key test of uh, whether the reforms would be successful.
0: Let's, let's talk about these two different decades of reform that you're referring to. So what happened in the 1990s? What sort of reforms took place um, that changed or, or tried to change actions and practices at the junior secondary level?
1: In the 1990s, reform was uh, much more gradual in the sense there was no major changes to the content of the curriculum. There was a new emphasis introduced on students' own interests, which uh, schools were supposed to take account of. They were supposed to teach more with that in mind. Um, but that was about it. There were no new um,
0: curricular domains or subjects introduced and And what about in the the 2000s what sort of reforms occurred then
1: so this is where the really uh, controversial reforms are introduced. I suppose the really challenging reforms. So in 1998, the government uh, produced a revised curriculum, which was implemented in 2002. And what happened there was, first of all, um, there was a full switch to a five-day school week. So Japan had had a -a five-and-a-half-day school week up to uh, the early 1990s, and it was gradually phased into a five-day school week, which came into effect in 2002. And then um, there was a, a change in the curriculum in that, first of all, the number of hours for conventional academic subjects were reduced by somewhere between um, 10 and 20%, um, and n- a new uh, domain was introduced into the curriculum, which was called Integrated Studies, which gave... Uh, schools a a great deal of freedom to decide what they taught in that in that in those hours there was about uh, two or three hours a week Um, and they were supposed to teach in an innovative way that uh, involved experiential learning and encouraged students to think for themselves identify problems solve problems for themselves
0: What was the logic behind the 2000s, the reforms that happened in the 2000s? There were two
1: um, rationales, I suppose. Uh, The idea was that Japanese education was lacking in in two major areas. So, first of all, it was thought there was not enough emphasis on children. being encouraged to think for themselves, uh, identify problems, solve problems for themselves and it was thought these are uh, qualities that were going to be needed in the 21st century and so education had to had to develop them more. So that was the first thing. The second thing was that it was thought that children were uh, Lacking in social and emotional skills if if, if uh, one can put it in that way and um, there the problem was thought to be that um, these are ki- these kinds of uh, skills were things that it was thought at any rate children used to learn um, outside school um, at home or uh, in their neighborhood but as society had changed and children were spending more sedentary lives, they were spending more time studying um, in, uh, in tutorial colleges or playing their computer games or whatever it was, um, they weren't spending enough time with other people and so schools had to do more to um, foster those sorts of abilities.
0: And and these rationales, they existed at the national level because in Japan there's a national ministry of education that can set policy for schools around the country. That's right. And so that that gives the ministry quite a lot of power in a sense.
1: Uh, Yes. So as you say, it's a national system. It's not a federal system as we see in some other countries.
0: In in your book, you talk about this idea um, that was found in the reforms uh, that was titled the power to live. What, what did that concept mean? Uh, so
1: the power to live is a sort of label which really uh, refers, I think, to those two sets of qualities that I was talking about before on the one hand the intellectual curiosity, the creativity, the ability to think for yourself, on the other hand um, the sort of social and emotional skills. So um, it's 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 a label that's supposed to uh, encompass all of those different things.
0: And there's also uh, an interesting, um, dichotomy or dialectic between the ideas of individual and groups found in some of these reforms. can you can you describe this sort of dialectic?
1: Yeah, well, this is quite complicated. So um, there has uh, all, well, I don't know always, but certainly during post-war education, there has been emphasis in some sense on both individuals and groups in Japanese schools. So um, the emphasis on the groups is is quite well known, I suppose. So there is a lot of uh, emphasis on group activities of various kinds that are supposed to help children to learn to work together um, and cooperate. Um, But the, the emphasis on the individuals, um, I suppose, mainly comes particularly at, uh, in secondary education because children are evaluated as individuals. So they take exams, they're assessed as individuals. Um, that's, but but, but the, what's important to understand is that doesn't necessarily mean you're being educated to be autonomous. Because being autonomous means that you decide for yourself what you study. Of course, you're not doing that um, under many exam systems um, because what what you study and what you do is laid down for you. Um, What is expected of you is self-reliance, which means that you have to have the motivation to do what you're supposed to do. In other words, what other people are telling you. Now, what happens with the uh, the, the, the reforms in the, the that were introduced in 2002, uh, and to some extent the, the new emphasis that was introduced from the 1990s onwards, is there's supposed to be more emphasis on autonomy. There's supposed to be more emphasis on thinking for yourself, developing the ability to think for yourself, and... Uh, deciding for yourself what you're going to be studying. So in that sense, it's a different sort of emphasis on the individual than you'd seen before.
0: Would you say that the, the, the rise of the discourse on individualism is, can be attributed to some of the thinking around neoliberalism?
1: Uh well the first thing i would say is i i don't like the word individualism because i think it's really a really confusing word I, I i'm not really sure what it means um so i i i don't like to 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 use that word um i mean in a very broad sense uh, and i really want to emphasize it is only a very broad sense perhaps you can um associate these reforms with neoliberalism in the sense that, as I said before, uh, one reason they were put into effect was the idea that Japan was going to need more uh, people to be able to be more creative and to think for themselves more because society would be changing very rapidly. It was it was envisaging, you know, increasing innovation in the 21st century. So if that is associated with neoliberalism, then perhaps you can say... Um, there is an association. Um, but I I, I wanna be quite cautious about that because it seems to me that the idea of encouraging students to think for themselves and uh, what you might call student-centered learning, that sort of thing um, is not, I, I don't see a, a necessary connection with, with neoliberalism and in, in many countries, of course, that sort of, those sorts of ideas about um, how education should be done have very long histories. Um, you know, you can go back to John Dewey, for goodness sake. So, I mean, I don't know, don't think people would say that John Dewey was neoliberal. Who knows? Um, so that, does, I think we have to be very cautious about making that sort of a, a association.
0: So in the early 2000s, Japan came out on top of some of the international testing that was being done, and today it's known as the uh, PISA. How did those results um, work with some of the reforms that were coming out around that same time?
1: Well, the very first PISA um, tests, which were done, I think, in 2000, uh, didn't really have any effect uh, because the reforms had already been proposed. They'd been proposed in uh, 1998. They were coming into effect in 2002. Um, and I guess they just, if anything, confirmed to the policymakers that Japan was doing fine um, in, in, a, in a conventional sense and they could go ahead. Um what had a big effect were the second round of PISA tests in 2003, when uh, J- the the performance of Japanese children dropped a bit. Now, in most countries, this I don't think the, the drop would have been seen as any big deal. In fact, most countries would be delighted to uh, come uh, about fifth or sixth in, in maths, and I think it was second in science, which was where Japan was placed. But this was considered to be a bit of a disaster uh, in Japan, Um, and there were a lot of worries about um, dropping academic attainment um, and a sense that this was not the right time to be cutting curricular content for conventional subjects. So um, I think that actually caused a problem for... um, the uh the 2002 educational reforms and already even before the PISA tests there was a lot of um criticism that was being leveled at them um because of uh, a sense that uh, uh conventional academic attainment as as um traditionally understood uh in terms of knowledge and understanding uh and proficiency and in, in maths and so on uh, might be uh, might be threatened
0: So let's let's turn to your study because it you actually did a lot more than just looking at Policies and the broader context of these policies you actually performed um, Basically ethnographies inside schools. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your study?
1: Yes, yeah, so um It was a study that took place over some time so uh, the very first time um, I went to study uh, the schools or or one of the two schools that ended up being uh, a focus was in 1994 uh, for a couple of months Uh, and then I spent a year at the school which I call Tachibana in the book from 1996 to 97 Um, And then I made a number of uh, short visits um, over the years. And then in 2007, I went back um, to Tachibana and to one more school, which I call Yoneda, um, and spent four months uh, looking, particularly focusing at that point on the implementation of um, integrated studies and other... Uh, reforms that had taken place in the in the previous few years.
0: So, in a sense, you're the first school that you performed the the ethnography, in in 1996, became a way for you to compare some of the reforms that were taking place um, by 2007. Is is that um, what you were trying to do?
1: That's right. So I was able to see. Uh, how things had changed um, over the dozen years or so um, of the uh, between the two studies yes
0: so what what did change I mean so as a uh, result of some of these reforms that you explained earlier what sort of um, practices did you uh, observe that changed or or perhaps didn't change
1: well, the inter- I guess the interesting thing was, and in some ways a uh, uh, surprising thing for me, uh, was more what didn't change rather than what did change. So, um, as I said, this, is, this was quite a major curricular reform as far as junior high schools were concerned. Um, they were introducing um, they had their two or three hours a week, um, in which they essentially could decide what, whatever they wanted to do, more or less. Um, and so there's, in a sense, there were huge opportunities. Uh, for many years, Japanese schools had been complaining about uh, being controlled by the Ministry of Education, uh, not having very much freedom to decide what they were going to do, and now... You know, this was all taken away in a sense, or at least it was alleviated. They had a lot more freedom. Um, But in practice, um, the hours tended to be filled uh, to a significant extent with existing activities, activities that that, that, that schools had been doing even before 2002. Uh, So, for example, they would spend the time um, doing preparatory study for the uh, finally a school trip um, or they would use the time for um, the cultural festival um, or they would use the time um, for... um, activities such as um, workplace experience for example so uh, students would would go and spend um, several days um, in local workplaces uh, and and do do studies about that or another popular activity was they would um, uh, research uh, high schools that they might be interested um, in in uh, doing so there's there were there were some changes in the sense that there was more project learning uh, introduced. Uh, there were more opportunities uh, for students to do project learning. Um, and it's probably also true to say that there was. Um, e- even though the changes were were limited in that existing activities t- tended to get relabeled, um, there were. Um, there was more opp- there was more opportunity for for students to 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 do more inve- investigatory um, research uh, than before, but it was not as great a change as perhaps might have been expected.
0: You said that some of the activities were relabeled before and after these reforms. Could you give an example?
1: So, um, yes, workplace experience would be uh, an example. So that was something that I. Um, that the schools uh, were doing, even in 1996, um, and what happened was that the, the, the length of the time that they did the workplace experience was extended um, and there were um, more uh, reflection, uh, as it were, more preparation, and more ref- reflection were, would take place um, and students would do uh, more presentations um, about what they'd done. so it was more an expansion of what had already been done rather than something completely new.
0: So in a sense the the rhetoric on the national political level didn't necessarily reflect like the the level of crisis perhaps that was, seen at the national political level wasn't being reflected into some of the practices down at the school level.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And and what about this issue of the individual? So the, the big concern for the reforms in the first place being that um, students weren't able to quote-unquote think for themselves Um, and lacked perhaps some sort of emotional capacity. How did those play out inside schools?
1: I think it's fair to say that as far as junior high school teachers were concerned, um, they tended to be much more concerned about the supposed, uh, students' supposed lack of social and emotional skills much more than um, supposed lack of the ability to think for themselves and to be creative. Um, And so what tended to happen was that schools would place more emphasis on activities that were designed to help children get on with one another, learn to cooperate and develop what you might call um, traditionally valued qualities. Um, schools were much more ambivalent um, about the, the 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 issue of the individual. Um, I think um, that they it, it, in theory they would they would always say that these these are great ideas. You know, thinking for yourself and learning for yourself uh, are great things. Um, Uh, creativity is very important nobody would ever deny that Um, but what they would say was um, in the first place is this really the stage of education where we should be focusing on these things Um, isn't junior high school the place where we should focus on uh, the basics as it were Um, and Is this all this stuff about thinking for yourself and developing your individuality? Is that something that we should be doing at this stage or should it be done rather later in the education system? Uh, So that was one thing they would often say. And um, they also felt ambivalence, I think, because as one teacher put it to me, you know, what's how do you tell the difference between individuality and selfishness? you know when when are kids just being selfish and wanting to have their own way and when are they showing their individuality um and I think they they had a a lot of problems with that and and this was tied up to some extent with the um the long standing problems that that junior high schools in japan uh, have faced I'm sure this is not unique to Japan as far as lower secondary education is concerned um it's it's always been the um the stage of education where there have been the most discipline problems um, and so the issue of sort of keeping control um, and helping students deal with the various uh, turbulences in their lives has always been something that junior high schools have been very focused on.
0: And, and that's probably because children at that age are, are going through huge transformations.
1: Well, it's all sorts of reasons. I mean, you know, there's, there's, that's one aspect of it, but it's also a, a time of social transformation, if you like. Uh, so it's the point, as I said at the beginning of this interview, um, junior high school is really where um, children are are realising what their futures might be and 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 their their future life path is starting to be determined, um, and they are realizing, um, I guess, what the reality of the future may be for them, um, which is also something that is is going to have a big impact on um, the way they feel about things and the way they behave.
0: I find it very interesting that... um... Some of the teachers and principals, perhaps, and school directors that you were working with saw that thinking for yourself was a higher order skill that needed to be taught in in later grades. I mean, I mean sometimes I, I would think that this is something that actually should be taught maybe at lower grades in, in primary school and elementary schools.
1: Well, yeah, it is. it is... Really strange in a way, and I was very struck by uh, an interview I did at uh, one school, not not one of the two main schools that I focused on, um, but a a uh, another slightly more uh, specialized school um, where the principal said to me that uh, a characteristic, you know, a sort of special characteristic of this school is that we teach children to think for themselves and um I I just nodded but I thought to myself you know surely any school should be (laughs) teaching children to think for themselves um but actually I mean in my uh, experience that the ironic I don't know if it's ironic but the the interesting thing is that in my experience and I don't think I'm unique in this Uh, Japanese elementary schools actually do a very good job in many ways of um, teaching children to uh, think for themselves and develop their abilities to investigate things and so on. Um, I wrote a previous book about that, uh, and other people have have, have come to similar conclusions. Um, So these qualities are being developed in, in Japanese education but when it comes to the, the junior high school level, there's very little contact, actually, between uh, elementary schools and junior high schools in Japan. They're, they're almost like separate worlds. Um, and so I think the, the, the attitudes of junior high school teachers are very different from those of, of elementary school teachers.
0: So there was a recent election in Japan, and, and Prime Minister Abe won um pretty much a super majority and which means he can most likely implement his agenda without any sort of opposition uh, or opposition that could hold him back what sort of educational reforms are we could we see on the horizon and and what sort of changes do you think that's gonna have or have on the school level
1: well, at the school level, I suppose the major um, education policies that have been uh, proposed, and these were proposed uh, some time ago before the uh, recent elections. Uh, that I guess there are two that are have been of particular attracted particular interest. Um, the first is to give moral education the status of a subject. Uh, instead of its current status of a, of a curricular domain. Um, the idea there, according to the government, is to improve the way that moral education is taught. Um, and the main change that would take place if it was uh, given the status of a subject is that there would be textbooks which would be screened and ratified by the Ministry of Education. Um now, some people are extremely worried about this. They think that um, it's, a, it's a step towards um, uh, more emphasis on patriotic education and ultimately moving Japan back to the 1930s or something like that. Uh, personally, I think those concerns are overblown because um, um, the issue of loving your country is actually one, only one of about 20 different topics that moral education uh, has to deal with uh, in Japanese schools. Um, And uh, there won't be, uh, children are not going to be evaluated in a way that is going to affect their um, uh, high school entrance or anything like that. So I, I don't actually expect big changes in practice to moral education, even if these reforms go through. Um, The second I suppose major change at the school level is likely to be introducing English as a formal subject into elementary schools which is supposed to take place from 2020 with two hours a week in fifth grade and sixth grade. Um, That would be a significant change and and would be positive to my mind if it actually takes place. Um, the, The problem is that there's it's very difficult to find room for new subjects in the elementary school timetable unless something is taken away or unless Japan goes back to a six-day school week. Um, so it's a bit unclear what's actually going to happen, um, but that could be quite a significant change. But, you know, actually, the given the size of the Abe administration's majority, in some ways it's quite surprising how limited the um the reforms they proposed have been
0: well peter cave thank you so much for joining fresh Ed. my pleasure dr peter cave is a senior lecturer in japanese studies at the university of manchester his new book schooling selves was published this year by the university of chicago press next week i speak with a group of scholars researching urban refugees and education FreshEd is brought to you by the Globalization and Education Special Interest Group of the Comparative and International Education Society. FreshEd contributors include Rolf Straubhar, Eric Lehman, D. Brent Edwards Jr., Chrissy Monahan, and Aaron Baxter. Original music for FreshEd was created by Digital Primate. Please note that opinions expressed on FreshEd are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not CIES or the Globalization and Education SIG which take no institutional positions. Please be sure to visit us at freshedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll see you next week.